If you're looking for a travel PT program after graduation, Explore ATI offers an industry-leading salary, top benefits, scheduled bonuses, and an in-depth 10-week training, along with an assigned mentor and our best-in-class MSK curriculum to launch your clinical career. Add in access to all of ATI's learning and development resources and programs, and you'll be sure to grow personally and professionally, all while doing the job you love. Reach out today to one of ATI's recruitment specialists to learn more about their program offerings and opportunities. So this podcast is going to explore the different hand deformities that we may find on the National Physical Therapy Examination. The five hand deformities that we are going to cover are going to be the claw hand, the simian hand, which is also called the ape hand, a drop wrist, the hand of benediction, and a Dupuytren's contracture, or what's also commonly caused or called, excuse me, as Viking's disease. So a claw hand, what is it? And the big point of this podcast is going to be differentiating between all these different hand deformities, because what we're going to see is a lot of these hand deformities have a lot of similarities, but they also all have some very distinct differences that are going to help us out with answering these board questions. So a claw hand is defined as a loss of intrinsic muscle action, and that statement's very important. Intrinsic muscle action and the overaction of extrinsic extensor muscles on the proximal phalanx of the fingers. So what we commonly see with a claw hand is that a claw hand is caused by by an ulnar nerve palsy. Now, that ulnar nerve palsy can be caused by a lot of different things, right? So if we think about the course of the ulnar nerve, obvious starts up at the brachial plexus, primarily made by roots C8 and T1. It's going to travel through the arm, through the elbow. Okay, remember that, you know, when we, quote, hit our funny bone, we're actually hitting the ulnar nerve. And the ulnar nerve is going to then travel and terminate through Guyon's canal and into digits four and five. And digits four and five are primarily where we're going to see a lot of the issue. So what we see with a claw hand is we typically will see MCP hyperextension, PIP flexion, and DIP flexion. So when we see a patient with those three things happening in digits four or five, then we should automatically start thinking this is probably a claw hand. Now the ulnar nerve is going to innervate a lot of different muscles, right? So flexor carpi ulnaris, abductor digiti minimi, flexor digitorum profundus, flexor digiti minimi, opponent's digiti minimi, ring finger of the lumbricle, so lumbricle number four, small finger lumbricles, dorsal and palmar interosseae muscles, adductor pollicis, and the deep head of flexor pollicis brevis. So a lot of muscles here. 
Now, what you should be seeing is a big pattern, right? And this is another big study tip on the boards is study patterns. So we have a huge list of muscles here. However, all of those muscles that I just listed, except for flexor carpial naris, are an intrinsic hand muscle. And a lot of those muscles, if we think about it, are located on the medial side if we're standing in anatomic position. So towards fingers four and five, a lot of those muscles are located in the hypothanar eminence, right? So towards the little finger. And a lot of them are going to have an effect of either flexing the fourth and fifth digits, right? Obviously, we see adductor pollicis in there, which is going to have some effect on our adduction of our thumb. But the primary muscles we see are going to be intrinsic hand muscles, and that's going to be the big key to this. So with the claw hand, we're looking at clinical presentation which is MCP hyperextension, PIP flexion, DIP flexion. Those are the big presentations. We're thinking about all of these little intrinsic hand muscles that can get involved here. Now, the next thing I want you to do is compare that to a simian hand deformity. And a simian hand deformity is actually sometimes very easy to see in the clinic, because what we see in the clinic is that the thumb, and if you look at your thumb right now, look in the resting position, the thumb does not sit in the same plane as the fingers. And that's going to be the big clinical presentation of a simian hand deformity is that the thumb is going to be in the same plane as the fingers. What do I mean by that? If I looked at a side view of my hand, my thumb with a simian hand deformity is going to be in line with my index finger or you know digit number two. All these specific clinical presentations I will see with a simian hand deformity. I will see MCP flexion, PIP flexion, DIP flexion. Already you should say, okay, I see some similarities to a claw hand. But I also see one big difference. Remember, claw hand, MCP hyperextension, simian hand, MCP flexion. Also, the two really, really key clinical presentations here, the inability to abduct or oppose the thumb. And like I said previously, the thumb will fall in the same plane as the fingers. So if I'm looking at my patient's hand from the side and I see the thumb is in line with the fingers, I probably should start thinking about as one of my hypotheses that a simian hand is possible. When we look at the muscles that are innervated by the median nerve and a simian hand is primarily going to be caused by a palsy of the median nerve. We're going to look at all those great anterior or ventral forearm muscles, right? And remember, those all originate off of the medial epicondyle or somewhere around the medial epicondyle. So pronator teres, flexor carpi radialis, palmaris longus, flexor digitorum superficialis, 
the first and second lumbar goals, opponent's pollicis, abductor pollicis brevis, and flexor pollicis brevis. Now, again, looking at patterns, when we look at the patterns of those muscles, we see that the thanar eminence is very much represented here. And I can see that in my clinical presentation. So if I look at my hand and I look at the thanar eminence, I should have a good bit of muscle, right? I should have a little bit of girth right around that thumb, especially the base of the thumb. That's the thanar eminence. If I have muscle wasting or atrophy in the thanar eminence, you think about what's going to happen. My thumb is naturally going to drift, for lack of a better term, into the plane around the index finger. That's going to be very indicative of a simian hand. The next hand deformity that I want to get into is going to involve the radial nerve. And a radial nerve injury or radial nerve palsy is going to present as what we call a drop wrist. And what we see with the drop wrist is the wrist is held in flexion. And my patient or my client has the inability to extend the wrist or extend the fingers. And that makes perfect sense. If we think about what the radial nerve does, remember the radial nerve is going to innervate the vast majority of the muscles that are going to extend my elbow. Think about like triceps brachii, extend my wrist, extend my fingers. If I do not have the radial nerve anymore, or I cannot use the radial nerve anymore, then a couple things are going to happen. One, I'm not going to be able to extend my wrist or extend my fingers. Two, because those muscles no longer have any tension placed on them or any resting tension, to be more specific, my wrist will fall into flexion, right? Gravity will take over. And my wrist will just drop down into flexion because there's no force opposing gravity at that point. The muscles that innervate, or I'm sorry, are innervated by the radial nerve, brachioradialis, extensor carpi radialis longus, extensor carpi radialis brevis, extensor digitorum, or what we call extensor digitorum communis, extensor digiti minimi, Extensi carper, carpi ulnaris, the supinator, and extender, extensor indices, right? So all of these muscles are all extending the wrist, extending the fingers. Now, I also wanted to address a depoitrans contracture because this is another common hand deformity. The difference here is that with the depoitrans contracture, we are not dealing with a nerve palsy, right? So claw hand, ulnar nerve palsy, simian hand, median nerve palsy, drop wrist, radial nerve palsy, the Poitrin's contracture, none of those. The technical name for a Poitrin's contracture is a palmar fascial fibromatosis. Now, what does that mean? Well, kind of says what it is and it is what it says. So my fascia in the palm of my hand has an abnormal fiber condition happening. 
Typically, this happens in the fourth or fifth digit, and these really thick, nasty bands of scar tissue and fibers start forming. And what it essentially does is it gives the patient the inability to fully extend their MCP joints. It is a non-contractile tissue pathology. Now, what does that mean? Patient's going to have, a lot of times, really good grip strength or normal grip strength. Their manual muscle test is going to look just fine. But their range of motion is going to be the issue. And we can see that with the most deploitrin contractures. They're going to lack a lot of MCP extension. There's really no defined causes or etiology. There, there's been a lot of theories around some genetic components and things like that, but we really don't have a surefire cause or etiology for this. The big thing here is to differentiate a depoitrans contracture from a claw hand. Remember, claw hand, MCP hyperextension. I do not see that with my depoitrans contractures. My depoitrans contractures have MCP flexion. The next big thing I wanted to go over was what's called the hand of benediction or what's also commonly known as the Pope's hand. The hand of benediction is similar to a claw hand. We can see in the picture, if you're viewing this, I still see fourth and fifth digit flexion. Here's the difference between a claw hand and a hand of benediction. The claw hand you will see at rest. The hand of benediction you will not see at rest. The hand of benediction is most commonly caused by either a median or nerve, or excuse me, median nerve or ulnar nerve palsy. A lot of times we'll see a median nerve palsy with this. Now, typically, if this is not present at rest, what that's going to tell you as a therapist is that this is an active condition. So my patient's hand's going to look perfectly normal at rest. It's not until I ask them to flex their fingers. What we will see if this is a median nerve palsy, my patient's able to flex their fingers on digits four and five, digits one and two. And digits two, well, excuse, excuse me, digits two and three, my index finger and my middle finger, stay put. They do not move at all. We will also see hypothanar eminence wasting or atrophy. We will see some lumbrical wasting. And like I said, if the median nerve is involved, then we're going to see a lack of active fourth or fifth digit extension. 